I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Resilient Science, a show where we spend an inconclusive amount of time each week trying to better understand a topic around hockey, rehab, and the science behind it. I'm Dr. Ben Sonic. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I'm a goalie and strength coach. Um, I am a researcher that looks at hockey stuff. And most importantly, Jamie, we are world junior champions together. We are, although I have lived in the States about 10 years now on and off. So I, I don't I don't know what, what I am. Uh, I'm Jamie Phillips, uh, physical therapy student. I have a master's of science, strength coach, uh, goalie coach, and according to some, part of the most unqualified duo in goaltending. <laughs> yeah, that one that one hurt me this week. That um, was interesting. But anyways, okay. we digress. So last week was interesting. I think it was a very interesting and productive conversation because one, you've been working tirelessly to crunch a lot of Excel data more than any sane person would like to crunch but you've come up with a lot of eye-opening things and you've definitely you've changed my opinion easily on the topic of Canadian goaltending development and even before the show this is a little teaser in terms of future episodes we talked about the different leagues and the, the Q the O and the WHL in terms of how they develop um and that also has changed my opinion and some biases that I had. So I, I really like what we're talking about because we have hard, tangible data that, and I'm open to having my opinions like completely shattered and that's what you've been doing. So what, what did you, what was your takeaway from kind of the way that our last episode was received? Yeah. So the basic summary for those who didn't listen last week, um, you should go listen to it. It's a good episode. But for those who did listen, the basic summary again is going over is that like between the for goalies that were aged between born in 1990 and 1999 um, across Canada, Canadian goaltending has been like really, really good in terms of the number of goalies produced, the amount of NHL games played. Um, it's like really hard to say that there is a shortage of successful Canadian goaltending. And that's like without even anecdote, like if you want to go anecdotally, like Matt Murray's got two Stanley Cups. Starcy Kemper won a Stanley Cup. Like, if you want to look at just outputs of being on a good team, like, that's three Stanley Cups in the last 10 years at the top of my head. I haven't looked at the rest of them. Um, right? Like, anyways. So the, the basic summary is that Canadian goaltending it overall is doing well at the highest level. Mm -hmm. um, the other interesting note is that goalies who are 
drafted into major junior drafts largely make up um, the same goalies who are drafted into NHL drafts from those leagues. Um, like I think off the top of my head, one OHL goalie who's drafted, who played in the OHL was drafted to the NHL, wasn't drafted in that OHL draft that he was supposed to be in. So like major junior teams are largely doing a good job at either A, identifying the high level goalies or B, identifying and developing them um, to continue to be successful. So largely Canadian goaltending from an outputs between again, like goalies were born between 1990, 1999. So those who were 23, 24 um, up to, you know, 32, which is kind of like what we're looking for goaltender uh, age, like peak age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. They've been good. I don't know. It's been good, Jane. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, well, this is most of our data is compa- is comparing major junior leagues. I will, I mean, I'm looking forward to crushing like NCAA data, especially that will change in terms of more recently. There's been more of a push and a growth and obviously I coach D1 school, I'm biased in that sense. But yeah, so a couple of takeaways that I've kind of gathered from your data, as well as talking from other goalie coaches and parents and stuff is essentially if we, if Canada doesn't have more than one like top superstar goalie who's consistently winning the Vesna as Carey Price was that guy for many years. Uh, the kind of national consensus is that goaltending is broken and that we're not doing enough to produce um, that 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And I initially going into that, like last week thought kind of, I thought that as well. And it turns out it's not, it's not the case in terms of actual numbers Canada is doing a very good job. And another thing too is like we we've both been very vocal about that we don't like practice structure and we don't like a lot of the things the way you know North America like Hockey Canada, Hockey USA um, structure you know development. We, we're we're very open to that. But another part too is a lot a lot of the voices that are saying that hockey is broken is coming from people who they never succeeded, and so yeah. that sounds bad. But it, it is true. So if you never went anywhere in hockey, of course, you're going to have a bias that it is the system is broken. And it's like it's it's a weird it's it's just life. You know, yeah. that's the way life is. And we're, and we're always prone to our own biases. But, you know, and you can dent in this deeper, but there are goalies that have played over 200 major junior games in the last five years that no longer play hockey. So it's important that for those listening, those parents and goalies, like you have to try to look at it from as unbiased of a lens as possible. And that is a very challenging thing because we're, you know, we're human. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's like where the the big divide becomes, right? Where it's like, I think we can say two things are true at the same time, right? We can say (laughs) that there's lots of ways we can make minor hockey better um, to try and do that really hard, right? Like it's just, it's a lot of, pieces that are in play there's a lot of history um it's really hard to change systems that have been existing for a while again hockey canada has made some great changes we've talked about that before with what they're doing with uh like under nine you can go check out in a previous episode we're huge fans of the way they're changing hockey for younger kids um so we can still say like there could be improvements made there but we can also say that like at the top level i think lots of people will be surprised to see how many truthfully and quote-unquote successful goalies um, get to play the game. And I think part of that is also defining what's successful, right, Jamie? So you and I talked a little bit after last week about what we thought was successful. But the question that I asked you last week is, like, how many major junior games, if you were a coach or a scout, um, and maybe we should probably ask someone who's actually a scout. Yeah, we should. We should, yeah. Yeah. 
But to, to, in our opinion, that's like if you were a scout or a coach and you drafted a goalie, how many games would you be happy with to get out of them as a, as a, as a goalie? What would you be like? That was, that was worth the pick. That was a good pick. He turned into a great player for us or a good player for us. Yeah, like if, if I'm if we're spending like a, a valuable pick, like a top three or four round pick, uh, 150 for sure is kind of my major junior thing. You think about like with what, like 60 games a year? Yeah, that's 68. I think the OHL off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so, so like if they play three years, three years, three, three years playing starter, I have playing 50 yeah. games. So I'd say 150 is kind of my like a good, a really good, a really good uh, yeah. number of games played. Yeah. And I've got really good news for you um, because lots of goalies get around that number. Right? Like I'm just looking, I looked, pulled up randomly back all the way to the 2006 OHL draft year. So going back a little bit farther, the top picks out of those goalies played 166, 142, 156, 130, 137, 139, 140, 142. Like you're getting a lot of major junior games out of guys drafted even into the fifth round of the OHL draft. Right? Yeah. Um, now again, conveniently of those goalies, Six were drafted in the NHL. <laughs> and how many? Uh, how much? How much the games played by those six in the show? Three zero 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 twenty six and a drum roll, please. One thirty seven by Michael Hutchison. Um, but yeah, that's like our whole point, right? Like, it's there's some successful major junior goalies there who objectively <clears throat> were good enough to play a lot of games in, in a really, like a really high level league, um, who don't play a single NHL game. So before we even can talk about our NHL caliber goaltenders, like that's just how competitive hockey is right now, right? Like these mm -hmm. really good goalies. And let, again, like the thing that I think for people too to consider is these major junior teams are not afraid to bring in European goalies. Like the OHL and the WHL, they will, there's an international draft. They will go get international goalies. An example is Philip Grubauer when played in Belleville. Um, right. So like, if you want to, to like, like a boy wins. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Right. So it, it's not, um so it's not like it's not like teams are like mm, we don't have options here our canadian yeah. goaltending isn't good enough right like they can go get other people they do when they mm -hmm. think it's appropriate right but you got a ton of guys who who are really successful some going to play pro and some don't so it's hard right yeah so it's yeah and also with the game growing that is more people uh i don't want to say watering down more people entering the pool of options and if you have an extra 50,000 kids start every year, some of those kids are going to end up being, you know, high caliber. And those are those kids. And what are your, you know, they're in Slovakia or Croatia or wherever it is are open options to take, you know, jobs away from Canadians if they're not as good. And that is when talent identification comes into play. But one thing, and this is what I think we'll definitely cover it more. We should have probably end up, we'll probably have like a nice like two hour long in-person discussion with this one sometime when your data is already done. Um, but essentially what the data so far is showing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the talent identification system that we have and the development model we have is producing good goalies that are identified from a young age, so 15, 16. And those goalies continually trend upwards and they're done and they're picked in the NHL. And then what happens from there happens. But the, those that are not identified continue to trend upwards, but they never surpass those that were already good when they're 14, 15, 16. 
Yeah, that's like, again, and then from like a really superficial view, that's probably um, on average what is happening. And that's something for people to remember, too, is that like it's an it's an average, right? Yeah, you're always going to have the outlier one or two people who took a weird route. Um, for example, I'm forgetting which goal it was. Uh, Tyler Wall maybe was drafted out of Leamington, Junior B. Um, yeah, uh, and I think that happened. But even then, he was still OHL drafted. Yeah. Um, so again, it wasn't it wasn't a total surprise, but he uh, went to the NCAA. I think off the top of my head, I might this might need to be entirely cut out if I'm wrong. I'll check it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's okay because if we can have, it's good to have people call us out and and like fact check our stuff because it that's okay. But like you're you're right because if you look at me, I was drafted in the fourth round of the OHL, which is reasonably reasonably high, all things considered. Yeah. I was still drafted in the NHL, although quite late. Mind you, I took the NCAA route, but I never played an NHL game. So did the system work? I would say, yeah, for the most part, I would say it did. But for some people, it'd be like, you never played in the NHL, therefore the system's broken. It's just like, it's whose definition are we using for success is also what we need to go by. But in the average, the, in the average is what we need to look at the mean. Yeah works well i mean like, i think something to also remember and keep in mind here is if you go back to your ohl draft last year because that was the year of 2009 right mm-hmm. matt mahalik who was the second like second goalie picked in the draft ohl draft was yeah, NHL whatever, drafted. whatever happened to him zero nhl games he played he was drafted carolina right i think so yeah i think so too um after mahalik the third overall pick in your ohl draft remember who it was Quinn windsor Jordan bennington bennington, bennington. Yeah. Yeah. he's Oh, there's well, another one. He wants there's to another one. He's a Stanley Cup, yeah. Add him to the yeah. <laughs> Add him to the list. Yeah. Um, but then like you go through this list actually, and this is is something that's interesting for for what it's worth. But from Jamie's draft year in the OHL, the first goalie played U Sports, Matt Mahalik drafted, Jordan Bennington, Stanley Cup winner, Andrew D'Agostini, professional goalie. Yeah, my old goalie uh, partner in many in yeah. two different teams. Clint Windsor has played professional games, I believe. Still plays. So plays Frankie Palazzi's did also play professionally is now a goal coach. Um, yep. and the OHL, I think. Yes, I think he might be the, uh, Sarnia University of yeah, Toronto Sarnia. and runs his own private private goal coaching in Toronto. There you go. And then Jay Williams played University of Miami, Ohio. Does that make sense to you? Would have been around the same time. Yes, yes, I remember that name. I don't know what happened with him. Did he go put pro? Yeah. No, no games. Um, and then okay. you. So, and then you, so that's, that's the top OHL drafting. So if we want to look at like what happened to those goalies and you want to have that discussion around, was that uh, a talent ID only thing? Was that a development only thing? There's a lot of goalies who took a lot of different routes there. Who had what I would largely call successful careers. Like, I think that comes down to, you know, Jamie, you did not win a Vesna. You did not, did not play, did not play an NHL game. You need to play at least an NHL game to be eligible <laughs> to win a Vesna. Didn't win a Vesna. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it's a disservice to, to look at your career and be like, that wasn't successful. Like, I think it was. <laughs> so yeah, I, like I, I don't, I don't think it was not successful. It wasn't what I wanted. It didn't go yeah. as well as I planned, but all things considered, it was pretty good. Look, you, you get to, you get to play a whole bunch of AHL games. I yeah. will call you a success. Cause again, let's go back to how many guys, um, you know, don't get dropped in the OHL, don't play an OHL game. Don't play a NCAA game. Yeah. There's a lot. So um, the point being here, right? Like just, a, again, just your draft year alone, but you know what I mean? Like that's, that's good. Those are good results. Yeah. Um, having four NHL draft picks again, uh, out of that, 
like if you if you're only hitting on one and we're calling that Jordan Biddington there, like that is still a successful draft class for for how small that pool was a Stanley Cup champion in that draft class. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I think if I think if you look at a single and that's again a, a single league, right? That's just the OHL. Right. And so I, I think that again, that and so this is the question becomes out of this. Like, are these results despite the system that exists or is it like you know like do people persist regardless of what the system is yes they always will like you'll like you know what i mean like if, if if the circumstances allow themselves like people will get access to resources and make things work even if like a lot of the environments have to get them in some ways are not advantageous to them uh, but like the, the point being is like i think we are just i think we're just missing the mark of like where the the, the, the pipeline is coming through like i think the pipeline's working like i think that's where we're at right like it's it's so weird because i don't even know how to because before this i would have said yes Canadian development goaltending is broken and we're not producing blah blah blah. but now that we have the actual evidence and and my my opinions change i don't know i don't know why the discourse is as loud as it is now i get people are unhappy with some of the way the development structure works i'm unhappy with it and I don't sure. like ever goalies that I coach and myself like going even going back know, when you 16 were in years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I definitely, there's a lot of things that I don't like about it. And then when I work with like yeah, Scandinavian European goalies, and I talk to them about their system, I'm like, oh, I like that way more. Now, but we've shown that if our system isn't broken, is it possible that the vocal minority? No, I guess what? Not vocal minority, but so is it possible is that the majority that aren't made that are aren't being quote-unquote successful they're the ones that are trying to drive change which i guess rightfully they're allowed to like i think everyone's allowed to drive change so i guess i don't really know i guess my question would be and probably what we're going to call the podcast is so canada canadian hockey's not broken now what yeah yeah so what's the next step i think like someone made a really i think someone made a really good comment um on the episode from last week where they said yeah, that makes sense. Like their initial reaction was like, yeah, that this makes sense. Actually, maybe it's a little better than I thought, but they're like, will it still stay the same in like five, eight years? Like, is there a shortage of goaltending in minor hockey now that will lead to some issues down the line? And I think truthfully, and this is what I said back to them as well. I said, I think truthfully, I don't think it affects the top end. No. Right. Like, I, like, uh, because again, the people, this is just a fact, and this is like really hard to hear, but the people who are successful as goalies have significant access to resources, right? Like you yes. and I- and we've talked it. about this, yeah. Yeah, like you you, you, have, you have private goalie coaching, you do goalie camps, you play mm-hmm. for an expensive rep team. Um, mm-hmm. Like all those things already have to happen for you to have a chance, right? Although to be Honestly. fair, the Welland Tigers versus the Toronto Marlies in terms of budget, a little different. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It, 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 it is. And hockey is one of those sports, same with golf and like equestrian and polo, like it requires access to resources. And so those that can afford or the, the, that afford a lot of advantages are tend to be more successful. And that's just like that in every part of life. Now, do we as beneficiaries of this system, I, I can say, I can definitely say that I don't agree that that's the way the system should be. But, and I was thinking about this actually um, like the other day when I was stuck in a snowstorm driving, <laughs> my eight hour drive turned into a quick 13 hour drive. Um, yeah. 
is if because I was listening to the the games on the radio, if Canada, if Hockey Canada and the Canadian people and the Canadian government, or whatever, are truly truly invested in developing hockey, then Canadian tax dollars will have to go towards making the game accessible for everybody, lowering the price of ice, hiring coaches that are legit government employees. And so yeah. it goes back to almost like a, I guess it used to be that way in more of the Soviet era when everyone was flexing their muscles in the Cold War for dominance. But it, it has <laughs> to go back to a similar structure of where sport, hockey specifically, is a government funded or at least like a majority or a large chunk funded to make hockey an accessible thing where there are regulators who will come in and stop the coaches being paid hundred K under the table. And there might have to be a new system like put up. And this is like, I was kind of spitballing, but that's the only way that I can see any real changes being made. Because like you said, at the top end, those goalies are going to persist. Will will there be a larger number of goalies either not participating or not being quote unquote successful? I I don't know. I I, I really don't know. Who knows? You you well you don't. Yeah. Right. Like we'll find out in ten years. Right. Seriously, we we will find out. And maybe we never know. Maybe nothing changes. And maybe literally nothing changes. But if Canada wants to change, Mm -hmm. the only way to successfully do it is to have government money, which means taxes, tax dollars. Uh, there's always a there's, this is always fun and this is not going to be the this is not the hockey geopolitics package mm-hmm. but the two the two things people want most from uh, their government is one better social services and two less taxes so so um, and those those things definitely <laughs> do not do not butt heads though yeah those things are not in complete opposition to each other but this is not wow. the uh, this is not the the <laughs> hockey politics hockey tax podcast this is the Jamie. Two weeks ago, Canadian goaltending was broken. Yes. Four days ago, Canadian goaltending found its answer. I heard that live on TV. Wait, someone actually said that? Yep, that was one of the announcers said when they were talking about how well Milich was playing, was that Canadian goaltending was in question, but they found their answer. Now, Jamie, Thomas Milich has been in the Canadian system for four years. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, like, we talked about that too, is where someone... And this isn't us ragging him in any way. I mean, no, very, goodness very gracious. Good yeah, he's probably going to have a more successful career than than, than myself and, and Ben. So it's like it's not like we're, we're dogging him, but no. What is an underdog? Does he fit the cal of someone that played U sixteen, U seventeen, U eighteen, U twenty nationally? Like, does that? Yes. So I guess like they're saying because he wasn't drafted, and majority of World Junior goalies that that play and start are drafted. Although, you know who wasn't drafted? Martin Jones. Martin Jones was not drafted. Was not drafted. not Maybe, drafted. I think he was after the World Juniors. He was drafted into the WHL, though. So correctly identified yes. in the WHL. But he was not as drafted as well. to the, the NHL. And not. so that's where people would say he's an underdog. But if you actually crunch the numbers, I would say someone who has been developed and brought up by Hockey Canada system, he is exactly where he should be. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think, um, again, and like, to be fair, Thomas Millich has not played a ton of major junior games. Like, I, I pulled up his uh, elite prospects page here. Um, the year he played for Canada Red U17, he played three games for them. He only played two games for Seattle. So he actually played more games in a Canadian jersey than he did in a WHL jersey that year. Um, yeah. But then the next season again, 
2020-2021, that's kind of a hard season to, you know, there were some things going on during that season. And also during 2019-2020 in general as well, that season was a little bit, right? Those seasons yeah. are kind of muddy. Yeah, um, those so are I think hard goal, to judge. I think it's also really, again, like let's even take that into consideration, right? His draft year would, would have been, or his two major scouting years would have been severely impacted by COVID, right? Yeah. Like by the shutdowns that were there. Um so I again maybe like the the read on him not being drafted was just a lack of like again games played didn't mm-hmm. seem like didn't play didn't play a lot of WHL games so teams just didn't take a chance on him even though he played U seventeen and U eighteen yep right so you know there's some things to take into account but yeah that's like an interesting phenomenon right like uh, I find that really interesting that we we talk about that Canadian system that way but again he's played for Team Canada for a a while he's been in this Canadian system for a while like he's been clearly correctly identified by the Team Canada system as as being someone who can represent the country at a a high level Mm -hmm. right like that that kind of comes back to like is that developing well I don't know like he's he was picked up early clearly yeah right so it's uh it's this is all just really complicated and it's really hard very complicated And, and as as people who are like Jamie you're you're more involved in the physical day-to-day than I am. Like you are a coach in the NCAA. Um, I spend more time staring at numbers. True. <laughs> but again, you can kind of you you kind of see it that I think it's this is just like it's just like really hard to do to evaluate goalies in general. And that might be something that that goes in is that with the exception of a very few elite level goalies, there is almost no consistency year to year for most standard goalies. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that's worth noting too, is that's why it's hard to, you know, get consistent goaltending is because largely it isn't consistent. It's inconsistent most of the time. Year to year goalies don't consistently have good years. No. So it's once again, we fell victim and most like most people fell victim to assuming that everything is sim- more simple than it actually is. Yeah. We did it again. It happened to us again. It happened to us again, but I still think regardless of Canada winning the world juniors and I, I like to hope that our discord at least is, you know, people, people talk, hopefully some people, our last podcast was listened by quite a few people. So hopefully that was, you know, was good, but I still think we should continue. Although the system isn't broken, we should continue to push the system to operate yep. better. And that's and, okay to have yeah. both of those. Yes. Yeah. And that's like, that really should be the conclusion. Like the, yeah. The media, I think that, and again, maybe the media is going to be different now that the Canadian team won. And, and maybe the, again, the, we're just, things just get spun up and created around the holidays time because people are off work and there's something to talk about. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's where we should kind of push forward here. I think we should mm-hmm. say that things are working yeah. and we are consistently still producing or have consistently still produced really good goalies. Um and we can also like want better for the younger goalies that are playing right now, too. Yeah, right. I think that's yeah. I think that's that's pretty fair. I think that's a good way to end. So we're as Ben continues to crunch the numbers, we'll continue to talk about this. I think next week we might talk about something else. But uh, any questions, comments, uh, let us know below whether this is on YouTube. We are now officially at Apple Podcasts. Hey. <laughs> Everyone got Ben away from his Excel sheets and into the podcast world, so we put that up. And um, yeah, we're just happy that everyone's listening and it's starting to grow. We're getting a lot of really good feedback. Uh, even the not so good feedback, we will still take it because at least it keeps us accountable. And we 
are tr always trying to use evidence as much as we can and try not to use opinion. And I think that's really, uh, really important for hockey in general to have a lot more evidence and honesty. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to kind of wrap it off here, uh, for anyone who made it this long term and who's still listening, try to figure out for goalies between born between 1990 and 1999, try and find the goalie with the most major junior games played. Because one, you'll be potentially surprised at who it is. And two, I think you'll be really surprised at just how many games it was. So go hunting. No idea. Good luck. Yeah, we talked about it before the show and you already forget. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that sounds so bad. Yeah. But again, and this is like, this is my fun fact. Again, without giving it away who it is, mm -hmm. like, this person's career is awesome. Like the fact that they played this many games, like they are an absolute major junior warrior. Like to try to imagine trying to play that many games in that league. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Like really impressive. Really impressive. All right. All right. Thanks everyone Until for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.